This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, what's up, guys? It's Analyst, and we're back. Finally, I got a new webcam now, so we're all set up to get these YouTube videos pumping out. Uh, I'm joined again by Faraz. Hopefully, I don't know if this is... You said it would cover the whole screen, right? Right, right. We're doing it on Zoom today, so we're doing it a little bit differently. <laughs> so yeah, so, so as I'm talking, uh, I sh- hopefully like it's just me, and then when you're talking, hopefully it's just you instead of that split screen thing that Skype does. That's okay, what interesting. We'll so we're using Zoom. I was trying to point to like where he was, but it <laughs> apparently doesn't work like that. So uh, anyway, now that the chaos is out of the way, um, we are doing a sleeper episode. So these are some of our must grab guys in all of your drafts. And uh, if you aren't aware by now, we base just about everything on PPR unless otherwise stated. So if we bring up a player, like one of my players is going to be really geared towards PPR. So if you're not in a PPR league, then, uh, you know, like we'll we'll specify. Like this is mainly a PPR guy. This is we both, whatever. But just know in general, we're talking about PPR. So, uh, well, first of all, how you been? I haven't talked to you in a little bit. It's, I think yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. It's been a little bit, man. We've been bu- we've been busy, man. August is just such a busy month. You know what I mean? It's summertime. Yes. You know, it's like you know, so much going on. You know, it, and it, on top of that, like, the season's about to start. Exactly, and it, it seems like there's been this uh, shred of doubt of whether the season was going to happen or not for like the last couple of weeks. Right. And it seems like now it's starting to become real. I'm noticing I'm getting more followers now, and more people are engaging, asking right. more questions. So. Um, it's officially draft season this weekend and next weekend are going to be huge for drafts as we're recording this it is wednesday night i'm not sure if i'm planning to post this i'll probably post tomorrow yeah so it'll be posted on thursday the 20th hopefully nothing crazy happens by then we've already had a ton of injuries in camp with miles sanders and uh i'm super bummed out about the miles sanders thing man i'm so bummed out because i was so big i'm so big on miles sanders right and for that to happen was he your rb6 yeah I feel like he was. Yeah, I see. I know. I, yeah, like I think it was, was like around RB six. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but yeah, Dalton Cook. Like, I was just like, damn, like that. That's that, that. That's like a huge burst to that bubble right there. Honestly, but that's okay. That's okay. It happens. And then Nick Chubb and concussion protocol, and I'm sure we're gonna have other injuries as this thing builds up. We have AJ Green with another another scare and Denzel Mims and stuff like that. So, but uh, I'm gonna be doing an injury podcast with fantasy docs next week or podcast video youtube video whatever so uh, we'll be able to go over all that for now let's get into some of these sleepers i'm gonna start it off with one of my favorite guys i made a post about him not too long ago and i know you're a fan of him too because he is on your hometown team 
well, not your hometown team, just your favorite team because hometown, whatever. So no, that is my hometown team. I'm, my hometown is New York. So that is my hometown team. Oh, I know, Go for it. Boston, New York. I just want to make sure. No, no, Boston. Point being. Nah, do not put that on me, dog. <laughs> I moved to Boston. I lived there for a while. It's not my hometown. As a New Yorker, I have to get that, make that clear. I'm sorry. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> anyway, my sleeper is Chris Herndon, who is finally being drafted. For the longest time, he was being undrafted, but I checked today just a few minutes ago. His ADP is the end of the 13th round. So uh, he is finally being drafted. 13th round is still an amazing price for a guy like him. Uh, he, he's the definition of a post-hype sleeper. Um, I mean, last year, everybody was riding really high on him. And he's, his season got derailed from four-game suspension. Then he had some injuries. And he played one game. He got injured, injured again. Uh, as far as injuries, I'm not too worried about it. It seems like he's healthy now. None of the injuries really scare me long-term. But he is going to his third year with the team. And even if he doesn't have three, like, even if he didn't have two full seasons, this is still his third offseason. So uh, I, I will count that as his third year. He had a very impressive rookie year. He had over 500 yards. And on top of that, the Jets have been high on him for, since day one. To this day, Adam Gaith is saying they have big plans for Chris Herndon in this offense. Jameson Crowder even called him the X Factor, the true X Factor of that team. So uh, on top of that, there is opportunity. They have 190 vacated targets. It may not, it's, it's probably like where the hell are those targets coming from? But Robbie had like 90, Maris Thomas had 60 between some of the running backs that left below Powell and Ty Montgomery. There's some more left over there. So there, there's actually a good amount of targets available. And on top of that, Denzel Mims is sidelined with a hamstring injury and he has as of right now, no timetable to return. So there could be a clear path for a guy like Chris Herndon to be anywhere from the number one, number two, or number three target priority on this team. Wherever he ends up, it's probably going to be number two, to be honest. Number one, or well, it depends on Bell. But point being, he's going to be heavily involved in this offense. He's going to be a threat in the red zone. And at the very last round, I mean, even if you're taking the 13th now, if you kind of gave away the tight end position, you can totally grab him at the end. A lot, of things, a lot of times what I like to do is I like to grab a second tight end with very high upside. Last year, my guy was Mark Andrews. And if that worked out, you know, if you picked him at the very end of your draft, even though you already had a good tight end, then you could use him for trade bait, flex, whatever it was. So um, picking one of those guys at the end of their draft can never hurt. Chris Herndon is one of my favorite sleepers. And uh, you, you got to think about, I mean, the, the amount of people that last year after his suspension rushed to pick him up or like just kept him on the roster – really speaks volumes to how much we believe in him as a player. So I, I believe he's a very talented player. He's going to have the opportunity in front of him and I'm all over him at the end of your drafts. So if you can get him as, I think he could be, I don't want to say top five, although everything after like five or six is totally wide open as far as tight ends. I mean, I think can think of like five or six possibilities who could actually finish the tight end five. So, but I, I won't go as far to say you could be the tight end five, but I think top 10 is definitely in the picture if all goes well. But uh, are, you, are you a fan of Chris Herndon? I imagine you are. <laughs> I am, man. I mean, I was one of those guys too last season. Uh, I was big on him. And he was one of those guys that, you know, unfortunately he had the suspension, right? So I didn't recommend anyone to draft him, right? It was four game suspension. So, right, it was four games, right? I think that's yeah, what four. it was. And, um, and then he had the hamstring injury and then he had the rib injury. So, you know, it was just like we were holding on to him. Uh, some people drafted him. Some people picked him up after like week two, right? Because their tight end situation didn't work out. 
um, and you know you ended up keeping him on your roster, then you find out he has a hamstring injury, and partly because he didn't wasn't with the team, right? So he probably yeah. wasn't doing football activities as he should have been, um, and then he that's what ends up happening uh, with these hamstring injuries. So he he has a chance to lead lead this team in targets. Like who the guy who we think might uh, compete with him is Jamison Crowder potentially, Le'Veon Bell potentially, um, but I think Chris Herndon is a guy like who will be we saw what Sam Darnold did with him last preseason for example like he they had a huge connection right his rookie year he put up numbers as far as like receiving yards goes like that not that many tight ends have done in their careers in their rookie year um so there's a lot to say about his talent and what he's capable of and how NFL ready he is so um I think Adam Gase has a lot of plans for him um I think he could be somebody who can absolutely kill it this year if he stays healthy and whenever you have a situation like this where, you know, a tight end could potentially lead the team in targets or close to it, you got to take a stab at that guy, especially when he's talented like Chris Herndon, right? Especially if you're going to get him in the 13th, 14th round, it's kind of a no-brainer, right? Especially, like you said, if you want to take that second tight end, totally worth it. You have anything else to add about Chris Herndon? I'm going to go into my first sleeper. Uh, no, just the fact that I love him. And honestly, I'm, I'm working on an article. I've been working on it for a little bit. But I, I'm a big believer that taking two tight ends is a, a uh, potentially a league-winning strategy. Not, there's, I can believe there are people that don't take a second tight end, not just for bye weeks. I mean, if you ignore the tight end position, you're in a 12-team league, you're going to be left without a really good bye week filler. You can, that could be an automatic loss. At the same time, I'll, I'll just get a little bit into it. I want to get, you know, this is going to be a whole sure. video about tight ends if I don't stop. But um, <laughs> Point being, if you're looking past the 12, 13, 14, 15th round, as far as running backs and wide receivers, there aren't too many guys who you can rely on to get 10 plus points every single week, as opposed to the tight ends to where you may be on the 9th, 10th, 11th tight end to the point where I, I could think of tight ends up to 20 who could possibly get 10 points per week. You know, if, if you're talking about value at the position, it's the wide receiver, 50, 60, the running back. 40s 50 whatever the tight end 15 14 13 12 11 even 10 sometimes at the end of your draft so it, it's definitely well worth it to take a tight end trade bait flex play whatever it might be last year there was a league where i had um i think it was evan ingram mark andrews and darren waller so i had a ton of trade bait ton of flexibility with those guys i ended up building a, a championship roster from those pieces so just a quick little tidbit on tight ends but right. who's your you, first sleeper? Especially if you leave loves to trade. Uh, the first guy I want to talk about is Jack McKinnon. Okay. Um, there is no set starter in the 49ers backfield right now, right? Raheem Mostert, you know, he picked up steam at the end of the, at the, end of the year, uh, but he was the, he was third on the depth chart behind Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida when the season began, right? Even though he somewhat did his thing before he got hurt, before he broke, he broke his arm the season before, right? And he was doing well. Now, he did his thing last year. He deserved to be fed after that point, no doubt, right? Like, we've seen that backfield rotate, though, on multiple occasions over the last few seasons with Kyle Shanahan. Uh, so there is something to say about taking the cheapest option late when it comes to our fantasy drafts, when it comes to this backfield in particular, right? Um, whenever a backfield is not set in stone, like this one, you know, and I when you look at Mostert, like, you look at what he did last year, and you're like, wow, like, he's amazing. But – He's not a special running back, right? He's fast, right? He's taking advantage of the fact that he's running behind a good offensive line. Uh, and he's running 
in an even better outside zone running scheme, right? It, it sets up running backs to be successful. Um, and there have been multiple occasions over the past two off seasons where the 49ers had an opportunity to cut McKinnon, right? And either have no repercussions, whether it came to, a, when it, you know, when it came to dead cap, right? Or very little repercussions when it came to dead cap, right? And there were multiple points where they could have cut him to save some money. I saved a lot of money and they didn't because they gave up a lot of that up front. Um, you know, when, when he signed his contract. And those decisions, you know, came before they were set to pay McKinnon. So um, remember, McKinnon has been hurt this entire time, like for almost two seasons now, and they decided to keep him, right? And that says something to me. Um, and now he's back. Kyle Shanahan says he's, he seems ready to make his comeback, right? McKinnon, McKinnon was handpicked by Shanahan when he became a free agent in 2018, when, when Carlos Hyde uh, became a free agent, right? He already had Matt Breida. Right when he was looking for a job to be a featured back, do you remember that? Like with Jerry McKinnon when he left Minnesota, he's like, "I want to be a featured back." And everyone was like, "Really? You want to be a featured back?" And he said he wants to go a place. Well, he he'll be the featured back, and he decided to sign with San Francisco based on something they told him. Right. So like, I know it's two years later. Right. Of course, I think, but I do think that McKinnon is still the most versatile back on the 49ers roster. Um, he might be the best outside zone runner of any of these backs and is definitely the best pass catcher. Um, he's been busting his ass to make his comeback. And I think there's a good chance that, you know, he's in the running just like all these other guys to be part of the top two, you know, rotational backs, right? If not the top running back in this backfield at some point this season, I think he's already looking good in camp, right? The reports are good. He's lining up in the slot in the backfield. Um, he's been one of the most impressive players so far, according to all these beat reporters. So um, you have the unfortunate Jalen Hurd ACL tear, right? That also leaves some more opportunity for McKinnon, considering what kind of role Jalen Hurd was going to play this year, that hybrid running back, slot wide receiver, lining up all over the place type of guy. Um, and McKinnon is versatile enough to take on some of those opportunities. Um, but as far as the upside for McKinnon, I think he becomes, you know, the upside is that he becomes the 1A in this backfield. Right. And if he's that guy, he'll likely play around like 60% of snaps potentially. Um, but the, the key is that his pass catch, his pass catching ability, right? Well, he'll potentially be able to rack up four to five catches per game because that's just what he does best on top of, you know, however involved he is in the running game. You know what I'm saying? Carlos, Carlos freaking Hyde had 88 targets a couple seasons ago under Shanahan, right? And McKinnon, you know, I like to bet on talent in those situations. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, McKinnon, like when he played over 50% of snaps in his career, he's averaged more than four targets per, more, I'm sorry, more than four catches per game. Um, so that's just what he does best. And especially like the fact that he's going in the 14th round right now, low risk, high upside. I like to target those, those murky backfields, right? Um, so that's, that's, the one, that's why I like McKinnon uh, this year, especially just, just because of his price. Oof. <laughs> that was a lot. I feel like I'm watching a movie and I'm sitting here. And I'm like, that was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot. That it's okay. Lot. That's why we're here. This is perfect. But um, yeah, as, as far as McKinnon, where do I start? I think you covered just about every possible outcome <laughs> I, I, in that situation. It's, it's funny. Like when I talk about these guys, I want to leave no stone unturned. <laughs> you you know what? That's the best thing too. We, we limited this to six players and it's probably going to be well, like over 45 minutes. Somehow. <laughs> Sorry, man. How long? No, no. I, I, that's good though. Minute rant. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? The thing with McKinnon too is like, would you rather take a chance on Raheem Mostert in the fifth 
Tevin Coleman in the eighth, ninth, or Jarek McKinnon in the 14th. If this is going to be most likely a hot hand situation anyway, might as well go with the tail end guy who's still going to have a role. Exactly. And they desperately need that pass catching running back. Not that Tevin Coleman can't be that guy or Raheem Mostert doesn't have the potential to be that guy, but more so that's Jared McKinnon's specialty, right? So over the last three seasons, believe it or not, their fullback, Kyle Juszczyk, has led the team in targets per game over the last three years. That's led the backfield. Fullback. Yeah, led the backfield in wow. targets per game. That's crazy. So they've really had to rely on their fullback to be that main guy in the backfield. (laughs) Obviously, Debo Samuel, he's got the injury. It's going to nag him the whole season. They're signing every reject wide receiver in the league right now. Jaron Brown, J.J. Nelson, Tavon Austin, anyone they can get their hands on. They need help, right? They need help in that receiving game. And Jarek McKinnon, like you said, as opposed to a guy like Tevin Coleman or Raheem Moser, they might need 10, 15 touches to return value that week. And it could be either one of those guys. But I, I think Jarek McKinnon's the guy who has a chance to establish himself a weekly role as a pass catcher. When you think about who can be the early down back, you know, there's a couple different guys that fit that uh, fit that spot. For Jarek McKinnon, he's the best guy to be the pass catcher. So, and, and like you said, if he gets five catches, like in a week, takes it for eight, nine yards, whatever the hell it is. I mean, he could be borderline 10 points every single week, and you're right. getting this guy in the 14th round. So uh, I'm, I'm all over Jerick McKinnon, just like I you. mean, I, if I you think... had to pick one running back in that backfield to get 10 to 15 touches per game, it's McKinnon. That's what you want because a, a, the, he'll get the biggest percentage of uh, targets. Uh, or uh, as far as his touches go, the biggest percentage of his com- total touches – would be uh, catches out of any other any other other running back. So that's why you know his value would be the highest if he were to be the one A. Absolutely, and you know what's funny too is that um, Raheem Mostert, as good as he did in the championship game, he wasn't the starter for the Super Bowl. Right. So, and that just goes to show you that nothing in this offense is guaranteed. And when nothing in this offense is guaranteed, they all get increased risk as opposed to Jerick McKinnon in the end of your draft who has very little risk at that point. So I definitely agree with you there. Um, Yeah, I mean, that was great. So we have two sweepers down. I'm going to get to my third guy, my my second guy. I'm already losing my (laughs) crap over here. Um, So I got two guys to choose from. I think I'm going to roll. You went for the pass catching running back. I'm going to go for my pass catching running back. That's going to be Naheem Hines. So Naheem Hines, he's not getting a lot of love right now. Uh, he, he's ADP has dropped from the 12th round to the end of the third round. It's going to get lower and lower as uh, what is it? Jonathan Taylor starts getting all these camp reports. Uh, guess what? You, you know, Faraz, guess what? Faraz, not Faraz, <laughs> Jonathan Taylor, the best runner in this class, is doing well in camp against the second team with that offensive line. Who would have thought that would happen? Oh, I Who know. Would think, who would have thought Jonathan Taylor would do good against the second? I know he's getting more reps to the first team now, but point being, the Colts don't have a good running defense anyway. So, whatever. Can, Jonathan- can I just say something first? I'm sorry. I know you want – listen. Uh, Ian Hartitz, he's, he's a great follow on Twitter. He yeah. posted a David Montgomery run from last offseason. Yes. And he said David Montgomery – It was Montgomery's an amazing really run, well. right? He was, like, breaking tackles. He looks so legit. And he just posted it with zero context. Like, oh, my God. I'm so glad that David Montgomery is doing so well in camp. And it was like, oh, my God, look at that. Oh, man, got to go after David Montgomery this year, this and that. And literally, 
he posted later that that was just a test. That was actually a clip from last off season. <laughs> it was you great. It was so such funny. a great experiment, right? Because it's like, <laughs> this is how the hype trains start. And you just have to be careful. You know what I mean? Remember what happened with David Montgomery earlier last year. I'm not saying Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is a different guy, right? But it's just interesting. Like, just, just, just calm down a little bit when it comes to these camp runs and all that kind of stuff. Like, you should take it. Take it with a grain of salt. Understand what's happening there. It's always a good thing that he's doing well. But, you know, anyway, I digress. Yeah, and at the same time, like, uh, I remember seeing that. And it's funny because I saw that and I'm like, that's last year. That's not this year. <laughs> because I specifically remember freaking out about it last year. <laughs> so, right. so just goes to show that's uh, exactly that. So about Naheem Hines, right? So he's one of my favorite late-round running back targets. He's one of those guys who can get – 10 plus points per week not necessarily a high upside guy although there is potential more so like a depth piece who can be a weekly flex play if needed so um getting a little bit into him a lot of people label him as the third string running back on this team i don't really see him that way i see him as the primary pass catcher out of this backfield jonathan taylor this is a stat from the uh, fantasy footballers um they threw out that jonathan taylor had nine drops on 50 catchable targets uh in college so you know, pass catching, he's a little, he, he's definitely capable, but point being, he doesn't have too much experience. And Marlon Mack, he had 17 targets as opposed to Naheem Hines, 58 targets last year. So Marlon Mack is definitely not the receiving back in this backfield. Jonathan Taylor still has a little ways to go before he's the receiving back in this backfield. It's, I, I'm on full on board that it's Naheem Hines' role. And why that's important, because the starting quarterback is Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers, over the last five years, has averaged 147 targets to running backs. That's not just Austin Eckler. That's Danny Woodhead, Melvin Gordon. Um, Austin Eckler is definitely in there. Austin Eckler was there for a good portion of it. But point being, he's had this trend for quite some time through multiple offensive coordinators as well. So um, he's reunited with Nick Sirianni, who, by the way, last year – what was it two years ago now two years ago drafted Naheem Hines uh he was with the coaching staff as their offensive coordinator he was involved in getting Naheem Hines on the team the year after Marlon Mack was on the team so um Naheem Hines is Sirianni's guy and Sirianni is reuniting with Philip Rivers who he worked with in in um Los Angeles San Diego whatever the hell they worked um okay so the Colts pass attempts from Andrew Luck in 2018 was 631, which was very high. And last year, they went to 487 pass attempts, which is a huge drop-off. That's over 100-plus passes just gone. Imagine just like over 100 targets just vanishes. So that's kind of how it goes when you have Jacoby Brissett as your starter. But now they have Phillip Rivers, who even if he's not going to throw 600 times, he can definitely very much improve on that 487 he can definitely get well, like 500, 550, which just means more targets are available. Um, on top of that, obviously, we know Philip Rivers' trends when throwing to running backs. And there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of talks with the coach, right? So Nick Sirianni, he pointed to uh, what Danny Woodhead did when he was with the Chargers. So Danny Woodhead at 30 years old, I believe it was a 2015 season where he had 100 targets and 80 receptions of those 100 targets. So he, he pointed to that type of season when he talked about Naheem Hines, which is pretty big. Uh, both Reich and Sirianni, the head coach and the offensive coordinator, say they anticipate a large role for Hines in the passing game. And Frank Reich says he wouldn't be surprised if there were games where Naheem Hines had 10-plus catches. 
So um, all this is great. Coach talk is what it is. But at the same time, two years ago, Naheem Hines was a top 25 PPR running back. And a lot of people are forgetting that. That was the year with those 600 plus pass attempts. So um, I do like Naheem Hines as a pass catcher. Does he have Austin Eckler type upside? I wouldn't say that. But at the very best, you're getting a PPR running back too. I'm not saying that's likely. I'm just saying he could have some serious passing volume coming his way. So uh, definitely well worth a shot in the 13th round if you're in a PPR league. If you're in a standard or half, not really my guy. Half maybe, but like standard, he's just someone I'd stay away from. You know, he's going to get most of his points on his catches. If he can rack up five or six catches a game, which is, which would be insane, but, um, you know, that's where his value is going to come from. So uh, I'm I'm – yeah, I mean, I'm a fan of Hines, of, uh, that late. What about you? Are you a fan of Hines? Uh, I like him as a player. I, I, don't, I don't know if he's going to get a ton of time on the field, um, you know, especially if, you know, if the rookie can actually do some things and, you know, they want this to kind of become a, a run-heavy approach with uh, Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack being a one-two punch, uh, you know, on early downs. Obviously, Naheem Hines is going to be the guy on passing downs and all that. Uh, but, you know, guys like Austin Eckler, guys like Darren Sproles, and guys like, uh, who am I missing? Woodhead. Danny Woodhead, they were playing a lot on early downs as well, right? They were kind of being mixed into that rotation. Now, I don't know how much Naheem Hines is going to get mixed in. Uh, but, you know, Frank Wright has been on teams with those other guys that I mentioned, you know, and had them involved on early downs. So it is possible. And, you know, Philip Rivers' tendencies can, you know, make some of that possible too. Um, now, a guy that on the same team, I think we're, do, we're doing really good with these transitions now, uh, Paris Campbell, right? Uh, he's, <laughs> he's another guy who couldn't get healthy, right, in his rookie year. Uh, he was drafted in the second round. Uh, he was basically handpicked to fit Frank Reich's offense. Um, right, he raved about, about him, you know, before his rookie season, uh, basically saying that he excels uh, in that short to intermediate role in the slot. And Reich, you know, he bases his passing game on that short to intermediate uh, passing game, right? Um, and Campbell is basically a guy who can catch those passes, do a lot with it after the catch. Um, and he's fast as hell, right? His, I think he ran like a sub 4-3 um, uh, 40 before his rookie yes, year. So he's more of a fastest. Yeah, he was, I think he was the fastest that year, yeah. Um, he's not necessarily like a deep guy, like where you like, you know, he catches the ball deep, but he's more of a short to intermediate guy. Like who the can, breakaway guy. Exactly. Get in, in, in and out of his break super, super quickly, catch it, do something after the run. It might remind you of somebody, you know, that Philip Rivers played with for a while. Uh, but he's more of a PPR pick. Um, so, so far in camp, he's showing out. You know, Frank Reich is saying that he looks confident. He knows what he's doing. Doesn't look like a rookie at all. Like he's, he's like a pro, right? He's ready. Uh, Rivers had a lot of good, thing, good things to say about him as well, saying that he's explosive, the sky's the limit for him. And Rivers is targeting him in camp, according to beat reporters. So if he's going to be the main slot wide receiver, you know, remember, Eric Ebron is out, right? Who, by the way, played a lot of slot last season. Um, you have Phillip Rivers, who has been targeting a slot wide receiver named Keenan Allen for a little while now. Um, and I, I just think it's adding up for Campbell to potentially rack up potentially 75 to 80 catches this season. You know, whether T.Y. Hilton stays healthy this year, who knows. Uh, but my bet is on Campbell uh, behind Hilton to be the second targeted receiver overall. And that's including guys like Naheem Hines, Jack Doyle, Michael Pittman, uh, because of how he fits the offense, 
Uh, the Colts, they ran 11 personnel with, you know, with three wide receivers on the field at the 12th highest rate last season. And that was with both Doyle and Ebron on the roster, right? Now that Ebron's gone, that rate can potentially go up. And with Campbell healthy, that should go up, right? Um, Not only that, but if you look at the wide receivers they had last year too, their number one guy was Zach Pascal for right, most of the season. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, so last year, you know, I think was a, it was obviously a lost year for him, right? Hamstring strain, ab strain, hand fracture, foot fracture. Um, and he still has a ton of talent, you know, despite going through a bunch of injuries last year. It was just an unlucky year for him. Um, so I'm back on him, especially with Rivers at QB. I was out after Luck retired, right, obviously before last season. Uh, but I think everybody was out of this, just every single piece. Exactly. And I was high on Harris Campbell even in his rookie year last year, uh, but things didn't work out. Injuries, Luck, all that. So, um, And by the way, Harris Campbell is going undrafted, right? He's the last pick in PPR drafts if you want to grab him. You know what I'm saying? I think he could potentially uh, get a ton of targets and be a PPR stud, right? Potential wide receiver three. Uh, type of situation here in PPR leagues. Yeah, I'm 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 with you. He's one of those guys who's going to be like my second to last last pick in every draft. Uh, definitely one of those wide receivers I'll look to add with upside. It, it's funny how you look at like some of these offenses last year who weren't all that great and how much value you can find the year after. Like I'm finding like uh, in the Colts offense, we already brought up Naheem Hines and Paris Campbell as two of our sleepers. Jack Doyle's going really late as well. Jonathan Taylor with all the success he's been having is going the fourth, fifth round. Uh, Philip Rivers is obviously undrafted. So there's a lot of pieces in this offense that you can get a uh, get a part of really late. Washington's, Washington is another team like that to where uh, Adrian Peterson is going at the tail end of your draft. He could be the early down guy there. Uh, Antonio Gibson's going a little high, but I mean, like Logan Thomas, Steven Sims, like Dwayne Hatton, they're, they're just guys who you can target really late in your drafts who could have significant roles on their teams. So although these teams – may not seem like they're going to be the best offense. It doesn't hurt to take a shot on them in the 14th, 15th round when they could have a serious – hit the mic – when they could have a serious role on their teams. So um, it's just uh, interesting to think about that. So now we're, we're talking about – I'm going to transition here. I feel like this is going to ruin the transition. So <laughs> going to the best offense in the league, second best, best, whatever you want to call it, the Ravens offense. Yeah, that was awful. Um, so my next sleeper is J.K. Dobbins. Um, there was a report, which I was sad to hear, is untrue. But the report was Gus Edwards and a third-round pick going to Jacksonville for Yannick Ngakwe, which got me really excited about J.K. Dobbins. But even if Gus Edwards stays in that backfield, I am still really excited about J.K. Dobbins. Um, now, look, with yeah, Dobbins, he was yeah, my number. I just wanna, can I just say something? Yeah, go ahead. Gus Edwards is not going to be involved in the running game next year. That's it. That's all I got to say. Go ahead. That's Faraz's analysis. This is not. <laughs> That's Gus will run. Don't worry about him, man. Gus Edwards. Like, either way, whether he was getting traded or not, don't worry about him, man. Anyway, sorry. I yeah, I mean, it just – it definitely helps, right? Like, to see a guy like Gus Edwards who had over 700 yards last year just be out of the picture is just nice. Whether he's going to be involved or not, it's just nice with, with the comfort of it. You know what I mean? So, point being, um, J.K. Dobbins, my number one running back in this class, actually. I had him over uh, Jonathan Taylor. I had him over DeAndre Swift. I don't think anyone had Clyde Edwards in their top three. 
But point being, uh, J.K. Dobbins was my number one. If you saw what he's able to do past that line of scrimmage, I, I, I describe him as like a really smooth runner. The way he's able, he he has one of the best ball carrier foods I've seen out of this class. So, um, but just watch his film, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And the only way I can describe him is smooth. So he's a very smooth runner, uh, very clean, doesn't make a lot of mistakes, and at the same time, so so I, I, and this is the best rushing offense in the league. They had almost 600 rush attempts last year, and they had more rushing yards and more rushing touchdowns than any other team in the league. So, um, obviously, it's a great situation to be in. It just comes to opportunities. Faraz already mentioned Gus Edwards is not going to be involved in the running game. I'm on the same boat. They drafted J.K. Dummins for a reason. If they really wanted Gus Edwards to be a part of this offense, then they wouldn't have drafted J.K. Dummins in the second round. Uh, Mark Ingram, I believe he has an out after this year in his contract. So I I think he is technically under contract for this year and next year, but he does have an out after this year. Um, J.K. Dobbins has already said himself that he wants to fight for a starting role. He's not there to be backup. He wants to get involved in this offense right away. So I love that about him. When it comes to opportunity, I got into an argument with someone on Twitter, as I do a lot these days. And one of the things he said is that J.K. Dobbins was going to be involved in his offense because Lamar Jackson is going to take away a lot of that rushing, um, or a lot of those rushing opportunities. But if you take away Lamar's rushing attempts from last year, they still had 420 rushing attempts between running backs, wide receivers, running it out, whatever it is, Ryan Griffin, whatever, not Ryan, Robert Griffin, whatever. They had 420 attempts, which is still the 12th best in the league. So you take away Lamar Jackson's 100 plus rush attempts. They still are a top 12 team in rushing. So there's definitely opportunity there. I already mentioned Gus Edwards had over 700 yards last year as a backup uh, to Mark Ingram. Now, Mark Ingram, speaking of him, was a top, he was a low end running back one, and he averaged less than 50% of snaps throughout the year, largely because they kept blowing teams out and didn't need him to be on the field. But um, point being, I mean, if J.K. Dobbins can get 40 to 50% of the snaps, which is very, very possible, and I assume his role is going to only grow as the year goes, uh, he could put up high high end running back two numbers, if not more in that type of role, if this offense stays um, at the high level it is. And there's no reason to suggest it's not. I mean, obviously those touchdowns can go down for Lamar. That was a lot of touchdowns for not that much throwing. Um, so I do expect his touchdowns to go down, but at the same time, this offense is going to be just as efficient considering the way they run it. So, I mean, J.K. Dobbins can easily get, I'd say 150, 175 touches. And if he becomes the primary ball carrier at any point during the year, that could be 200 plus. So this is a guy you're getting at the beginning of the end of the sixth round, beginning of the seventh round in some leagues, maybe even later because people don't want to take a chance on him with Mark Ingram there. But I mean, if you look at like situation like DeAndre Swift and Cam Mays, who are both going around or two ahead of JK Dobbins. I mean, DeAndre Swift does not have the best line in front of him to block they do want to be a run rush heavy offense, but he does have carry on Johnson there in front of him as well. Although carry on is not going to be too much of a factor point being it's, it's not an elite offense like the Ravens. And then the uh, cam acres, he's in a three-way backfield, potentially four. They said they might use four backs in Los Angeles. They have the worst. I think there was a 32 ranked rushing offensive line in the NFL last year for the Rams. So cam acres, if anything, I believe is in a worse situation than JK Dobbins. Like, Cam Akers could be 
he has a chance to be the one A, I guess, earlier on. But at the same time, when J.K. Dobbins takes over as that one A, his upside is through the roof. So um, I'm a huge fan of J.K. Dobbins. If you can't already tell, I mean, it's funny here the backups for the Ravens, right? Uh, Gus Edwards and Justice Hill combined for 260 touches. That's more touches than Aaron Jones, who finishes the running back two, more touches than Austin Eckler, who finishes the running back four, and Mark Ingram. That They had more touches than the starter, Gus Edwards and uh, Justice Hill, and Mark Ingram was RB11. So even if J.K. Dobbins is the, the uh, RB1B, he still has plenty of value to offer. And if he takes over as a one, his upside just goes through the roof. So. <laughs> that was great, man. I, I, that, was, that was a really good breakdown right there. Um, the, the, the three guys you mentioned, Austin Eckler, um, Aaron Jones, and Mark Ingram, they were extremely uh, dependent. Not dependent. I was going to say dependent on touchdowns, but their touchdown efficiency was extremely high, yeah. right? And that's something that we have to keep in mind, or at least I'm keeping in mind when it comes to mm-hmm. this offense, especially Mark Ingram and where he's being drafted right now, um, just because there might be some um, opportunity for J.K. Dobbins to potentially take some of that goal line opportunities away from Ingram as well. Yeah. Um, you know, we know that, you know, uh, his, his counterpart was able to like, get some goal line carries, but he didn't really come through, right? When I'm talking, I'm talking about Gus Edwards. Um, yeah. So a lot of that went back to Ingram. Uh, but at the same time, like, this is going to be a 1A, 1B situation. Uh, we're, never, we're not going to know who that 1A is going to be before the season starts. Uh, but I think no matter who it's going to be, I think the splits between Ingram and, and Dobbins probably will stay a, a, a somewhat equal. I can see about, like, mm-hmm. 15 per game each, something like that, right, where I think Ingram's max was, like, 15 carries a game last year. I think he was on, a, he was on more of a count. I think Dobbins – uh, isn't going to be on that sort of count. Like if they need yeah, him to carry the ball, like that's another interesting point too. Because like if if the um, if the Ravens are up, like last year, every time they were up, they just kind of pulled Ingram out of the game. Mm-hmm. They just kind of would pull him out, send Edwards in to run out the clock. If you're in that type of situation, I don't necessarily see a reason for you to pull J.K. Dobbins out of the game. So it, let's say if J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram are splitting the work in the first half of the game. And they're absolutely crushing it. They have a big lead. They take Ingram out. And then Dobbins just stays there for the rest of the game. I mean, I don't really see a reason to go to your third string back at that point. If anything, they stay with the rookie and let him get that experience yeah, for the rest of the game. Agreed. They're not so gonna... it, this is like, it's the opposite of like garbage time. <laughs> right. And right? Or, or the guy that you want is going to be in the game during garbage time as well. Right. Which is, yeah. which, which is, which is great. Um, but like, yeah, typically no, I, you think of garbage time is like you're down and then like you just send them in and they just get whatever points to end right. up the game as opposed to you're blowing the other team out and this guy is getting extra points just running out the clock. So Exactly. And I think, you know what, you, you, the fact that he's going where he's going, I think, you know, th- there's enough upside with J.K. Dobbins in that offense where like if you need a running back three, for example, you know what I'm saying? Or you need to run him back four. You, you know, you want to shoot for upside, right? And he's one of those guys. If you're going to be getting 15 touches plus in that offense, you know, it, there's not much you can say that would, you know, sh- make me shy away from that pick, you know, around that spot. Unless I already have, you know, three, four running backs on my roster already and I'm good for the most part. If he's on the clock, 
you know, it's hard to pass up on that type of upside. Obviously, there's a lot of receivers, you know, around that area, which you might like. But, who you know, you kind of have to look for upside when you want to win championships, right? A lot of those guys that you're going to be picking in the sixth, seventh round, you know, they might be good. You know, they might give you a solid floor in PBR, like we all say. But when you want game, you know, championship winning players, sometimes you got to go for it. And the name of the game is upside for the most part. Um, so my third sleeper. Oh, by the way, are you done with JK? Yeah, I think I'm done. You can never be done, me so you can, you can never be so sure with you by JK because I know you love him. Yeah, I know. In like five minutes, I'll be like, wait, there's this point <laughs> in JK. <laughs> but you know what? I, I love the fact that we take our time with these guys because yeah. now, honestly, yeah, yeah, there's not yeah. a lot of people who yeah, will do that. There's a lot of people who are on time restrictions when it comes to looking at certain exactly. players. But exactly. By the way, if anyone heard Joey just talking about uh, K-Makers being in a four-way time sh- – Timeshare, just know that I don't agree with that shit at all. <laughs> uh, Sterling Shepard. Uh, Sterling Shepard is my last guy that I want to talk about. Um, by the way, after this, I want to just like – I made a list of all the guys that I was considering. I just want to, I just want to go down that list without, without any explanation. Just like go down after Yeah, I, and I, I definitely have some um, yeah. deep guys. Exactly. Uh, I actually mentioned one of them before. Right, right. So, so when I look at the Giants, for me – Sterling Shepard's the best wide receiver on the Giants, right? That's, there's that, right? And when we're trying to figure out who the best wide receiver is, you know, you're looking at all these other guys, you're looking at Darius Slayton, it's Sterling Shepard, right? He can separate on the outside with the best of them. He plays Or is it Evan Ingram? What's that? Or is it Evan Ingram? Right, Evan Ingram, he's great. Like, he can lead, lead the team in targets. <laughs> but when it comes to the best wide receiver, right, yes. so, Everything was like as good of a wide receiver. That's what I'm saying. He's basically wide receiver. <laughs> um, but so but like, positional wise, yeah, exactly. He can he any place on the outside. Um, yeah, he can separate. Like you know, he started his career in the slot, right? And then you, you we we didn't know whether he could go on the outside. He can separate. You know what I mean? They they got Golden Tate. And you're like, oh great, they have two slot wide receivers. What are they gonna do? What is Gettleman doing? He, you know, he's 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 doing Gettleman things, but Turns out, Shepard is pretty good on the outside. Um, he can separate. Um, he can he can separate from man coverage. Um, he can beat guys on the outside, uh, which is really interesting. And he plays the slot a little bit as well. Uh, Golden Tate is still there as their primary slot guy. Uh, Darius Slayton, right, showed a lot of skills as a rookie, no doubt, right. He has a bright future in that role, uh, but he's more of a one-trick pony. That one trick made a lot of plays last year, but if you notice. You know, it was a lot of, like, uh, contested big plays, right? Not a lot of the underneath or intermediate to support that. So what I'm saying is that, you know, it's not something that is as replicatable or something you can depend on, right? Um, uh, Slayton's high target games last year and those big games that he had came without Shepard on the field. His 15 target game was played without Shepard. His one of his yeah, – and then his next high target games was – he had two nine target games, right? And one of them was without Golden Tate. So, you know, this turned into an anti-Darius Slayton rant right now, but it's not like that, right? I like Slayton. I just don't think he deserves – I'm sorry. I don't think he develops into a number one receiver, right? I think without these guys on the field, Ingram, Shepard, Tate, he can be forced targets, right, by, necess- by necessity. But if guys miss time, sure. But I think it's necessary to talk about – Slayton, uh, because Shepard gets overlooked, right? And people might think there's room for like a number one wide receiver to emerge, 
right? And they think that's sh- Slayton's going to like take over after the rookie year that he had. Um, but I think I still think that the number one is Shepard. Sh- uh, you know, Slayton is being taken two rounds ahead of him, right? But Shepard is the best route runner of all these guys. He wins against press coverage, right? When you look at Matt Harmon's reception perception, it- it's very promising. Um, and then when you look at the target numbers for Stoney Shepard last year, ready? Seven, nine, 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 six, seven, eleven, six, ten. So that comes up to eight point three targets per game. That ranked sixteenth in the league last year. That's super steady target numbers right there, right? Um, so in the eleventh round, I'm in on Shepard. Yeah, and he he also had six in a sixty percent of his games. He had nine or more targets. So exactly. that's. You know, that basically goes on to what you're saying. 42 of his targets came from the slot, which if you look at he, what he had, 83 last year? What? How many targets, targets together? Yeah. 83 targets last year. Yeah, so he had 83 targets. 42 of those came from the slot. He had the ninth best target rate in the slot. Uh, I know you said he's not playing in the slot. but He, he does, though. Like, he, he plays like the he Z. He does. Right? He plays the Z. Yeah. So, like, He's a flanker, right? So he'll play on the outside. He's like a Juju Smith, Keenan Allen, like outside, inside. Maybe not talent-wise, he's on the same level, Mm -hmm. but like that hybrid slot type of guy. He Um, definitely uses Keenan Allen as like a a guy he looks up to because his route running has been impressive like this last year. It really sucked for him, but like it it, it was very impressive for me personally. I wasn't sure, you know, coming into last season whether he could succeed on the outside. Yeah, and I mean, um, we also forget, too, that in the beginning of last year, Sterling Shepard, had, I think it was a broken finger that he ended up playing the year on. He had two concussions, which obviously isn't good and puts him at increased risk for the following year. But he also had 14.2 points per game when he was on the field. So and that, that's relatively – like, that's really high as opposed to some of the other wide receivers and where you're getting him in respect to uh, the draft. And uh, so – Straight up, you'd rather have Shepard over Slayton, right? Yeah, straight up. If they're being drafted in the same spot, uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm taking Shepard just because uh, I, I want to depend on the targets. I want to depend on, mm-hmm. you know, uh, more volume. I think Slayton is going to be great, but you have to depend on those big plays, right? It's going to be boom bust, and you have to depend on other wide receivers not being there, right? This yep. guy could potentially be fifth on the t- on on the target total poll, right? You Saquon, got Saquon, Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate. Exactly, right? So that's not what I want to depend on. You know what I mean? Like, I think, I think he's a good player, but he needs a lot to happen before he starts, you know, getting it done for you in fantasy. Absolutely. I'm in a similar boat, definitely. So that rounds out our uh, three sleepers each. We both have – I feel like we both have a couple names we want to throw out for deep guys. So if you want to start and then I'll <laughs> – and this is with no explanations – a couple. Just try your best. Can, can you say these names without explaining them? Yes, can you, can you, you physically do it? I'm going to go. Yeah, right. go ahead. Deontay Johnson, Evan Ingram, Emmanuel Sanders, Zach Moss, Christian Kirk, Jalen Rager, A.J. Dillon, my favorite, Stoney Shepard, Anthony Miller, Preston Williams, Jarek McKinnon, I already talked about him, Rashad Perriman, Curtis Samuel, Paris Campbell, I already talked about him. Those are, that was the list that I was kind of picking out of. And I picked three guys that I, full disclosure, just haven't really talked about that much. You know, I talked about AJ Dillon so much this offseason. So I, I, he was like the obvious choice. Like you were surprised when I didn't choose AJ Dillon for this. Yeah. But it's just because I talked about him a lot. So I figured, let me talk about some other guys. Yeah. In, in previous episodes, we brought up uh, some of the other guys that I like too. 
um i mean there's a lot of i don't know why I, every year i'm just all in on the late round tight ends I hear you. i'm just i'm you totally on mike kaziki johnu smith chris erndon logan thomas i'm sorry can, can, can you say those again i was i was i really interrupted you Mike Gazicki, John Smith. <laughs> Mike Gazicki, John Smith, Chris Erndon, Logan Thomas, Tyler Eifert, a name nobody's talking. Tyler Eifert and Logan Thomas are two names nobody's talking about. But um For good reason. We're we're not talking about those guys. <laughs> but just know Josh Oliver got hurt and oh, the Jacksonville tight ends had close to a hundred combined targets last year. And then Logan Thomas is walking into a situation where he could be the number two target on the team. And he's one of the best tight ends. He was, you know, Logan Thomas was the number one tight end coming out of high school in like that, in the year where he was going to go to college. He was the number one tight end prospect in the entire country. Wow. Then he went to a school where they made him turn into a quarterback and then when he got drafted, he only wanted to get drafted as a quarterback. But every year he's played tight end. He's the last two years. He's been very. He's played very, very well, and he's improved every single year. And now he's right. in a situation where he's going to be the starter. His metrics are insane. There's a whole thread of it on Twitter. <laughs> but good. Logan Thomas, just like, don't don't forget that name. And I think that's it. <laughs> it's going to awkwardly end out this episode so uh thank you guys for listening watching uh however you go about listening and getting this content uh we appreciate you if you're on youtube feel free to subscribe like the video if you if it gave you some value uh if you're not following us i'm on instagram fantasy.football.analyst for us although i'm pointing to the left he's not going to be shown we talk real quick so we see you hey guys i'm here okay him (laughs) him <laughs> he's on instagram at upper hand fantasy and uh yeah is there anything you wanted to say to end us out for us no man that's it uh this was fun i'm glad we only stuck to three each it still ended up being a it was hard a long enough podcast for everybody i'm sure everyone's used to a two-hour podcast so i'm glad we were able to kind of you know condense it a little bit cut it down um, a little bit yeah but yeah draft season's upon us you know, so just pay attention you know uh good luck in everyone's drafts hope everybody you know does their thing just remember the draft isn't going to win your championship. It's going to help you, <laughs> but it's not going to win your championships, right? It's only the start. Yeah, you, a lot of the winning comes with waiver pickups and starts and sits and stuff like that. And, you know, we'll, we'll be here for that too. So don't worry. Don't worry about it. That's right. All right. So thank you guys, and we'll see you next time.